Hello and welcome to another episode of Disc 2 Movie Review with me, Rianne Evans. Joining me again in this episode are Martin Kane and Lee Stevens. And this week we're looking at Alex Garland's 2018 sci-fi thriller Annihilation and Stanley Kubrick's 1968 visual masterpiece, 2001 A Space Odyssey. So sci-fi week, sci-fi is not my favourite genre. Not that I don't... It is mine. Okay, You look like the sort that would go to Comic-Con, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with Annihilation. Did your husband contact you at any point while he was away? No. It was his decision to go in. Why did my husband volunteer for a suicide mission? You have to tell me where he was, what he was doing. for it i thought it was a bit flat I, I find it weird with netflix like original movies they um they they just never seem to hit the marks that the tv shows do do you know what i mean it, mm -hmm. like well, the tv shows always feel like a big budget film mm -hmm. but then their original films always feel like low budget yeah. movies it, it never sort of works for me it was more the visuals i liked in it i look i like the um i like the setting of it and how sort of isolated they feel even though they just sort of walked into yeah. a field I know what you mean with it being flat because the main thing I noticed especially about the sound was it all that it was all very muffled mm. um which I I'm assuming was the intention but I wrote down like the transitions were so quiet everything about the film was quiet so yeah. if you if you weren't paying attention you'd just be like what the hell is going on now so sort of it feels like nothing's going on yeah well. yeah it's a big sort of waiting round yeah, yeah for yeah. something to happen and then you get little things now and again like a giant crocodile or alligator or whatever it was and a giant weird bear bear thing school bear no school bear yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a big school bear yeah but yeah it just seemed it seemed a bit odd yeah uh, I don't know yeah maybe that was it maybe there weren't enough like jumpy attack moments and it sort of dragged itself out because a bit like that the horror moments I thought mm. were quite good mm really gruesome when the bear like rips the woman's throat out yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just smacks her Pretty and knocks graphic. her face off yeah and yeah um, and i don't know whether yeah as you say that that sort of horror moment they were going on that for like effect so you've got to wait for ages and then something horrific would happen yeah and then it goes off again yeah um is it kira knightley it is isn't it no it's natalie portman it's, i always get the two of them mixed up but um, I've, to be fair, I feel the same about Natalie Portman as I do Keira Knightley, where it's almost like they've had all personalities sucked out of them. Mm -hmm. So at any moments I was supposed to have any gravitas, and she's just got that dazed squirrel look where she's looking <laughs> completely through everything that's going on and like two miles somewhere in the foreground. A different caster might have made, especially coming to the end, you know where it all goes a bit crazy and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, somebody else in that role would have made it feel a bit more grounded because you, you'd have identified with the character a little bit more. Even cool. the bit where she's on the boat, you know, where they're, where they're on the boat, she's talked about when she was in the army and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it, it was all just really cliched of like, you know, sort of, yeah, I'm beautiful, but you probably didn't realise this, but I was also in the army. <laughs> right. And I think that, like what we were saying about the scenes, not dragging on, but being quite, like not much happening for a while and then a quick shock. It worked because obviously, like Alex Garland, who did Annihilation, did 28 Days Later, mm -hmm. and it worked in that with the whole sort of like destitute or desolate London sort of thing. And then you're getting like the infected running after the characters yeah. um, and things. I think it worked quite well in that. But I think I enjoyed it, 
But I'm also aware as well that Alex Garland's done a lot of really good films in the past. What else has he done? Um, so he did Ex Machina, he did um, Sunshine. Um, so he did that, and like the guys who did the soundtrack, did the same. They were the same guys that did Ex Machina as well. And so, like, I really liked, I really liked the soundtrack to it, and that repeating like acoustic guitar um, line that was going through it. Yeah, I did say um, the noise is good at making making me feel uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. it kind of is, as you say, like with it being a, like a sci-fi film, mm. you don't expect like those sorts of instruments to be used. But then when, kind of like right at the end when the, it, you know, it personifies itself, yeah. the, the alien, the species or whatever, and then the, the noise of that species is more like what you would get. It was like, it's like an old synth that's been like distorted up mm. and it's more what you get with a classic sci-fi film, mm. uh, which was quite cool that they'd, they'd done it like that. Yeah. Lee, you said not much happens. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know the bit where she's kind of like sparring with herself, the alien version of herself? Yeah. 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 I thought I got really annoyed with that. And I know it's partially because <laughs> I've got a cold as well, but I got so annoyed and I type <laughs> angrily typing, nothing is happening. How are we going? How many more times are we going to spar with the weird metal version of Natalie Portman and lose? Because it happened like <laughs> four times and I was like, yeah. is this it forever now? Is it like, Two hours, ten minutes, something like that. I can't remember how long the film is. It's over two hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's about around that, that time. It's, it's not far over if it, it is. It feels yeah. like an hour and a half's worth of film. Right. Yes. You know, if, you, if you cut a half an yeah. hour of chaff out of it, it's probably yeah. a reasonably good yeah. hour and a half <laughs> just like, sci-fi film. We, guys, we need to add an extra half hour. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to copy and paste a couple of scenes within within a scene. Well, I think it's, it's probably a little bit of um, director indulgence, isn't it? You know, because they want wanting the bit the shots of like the because like the foliage is quite cool. You know, having mm-hmm. different species on it yeah. and stuff like that. So having those moments of them just wandering around, so you can have like the vision of the scene in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might be part of the problem. I literally wrote a bit self indulgent from the director, but I thought that with two thousand one as well. You know, that seemed to be the key thing linking both directors is that it looked great but it was very self-indulgent. And and I was reading on IMDb that the director of Annihilation was arguing with... He was arguing with someone who said um, he was worried about the film being too intelligent right, and okay. too intellectual and mm-hmm. people are just going to get bored and, mm-hmm. and not understand it, which I could get because I, I was getting a bit like frustrated with it. Yeah, but I, I, That was an old argument made in 2001 as well. Yeah, yeah so I read I, that I, as well, like, yeah. Obviously Clark was worried that it was going to be too above people. The thing is, like, I thought, sorry, like sorry. Both, both the plots were really clever and really good, but because the pacing was so slow, mm-hmm. I found myself getting bored and that's when I would get confused because I'd, I'd right, like yeah, snap yeah. out when in reality the plot's good. That's just what I was going to gonna say about Annihilation is... Um, you can you can say oh, it might be too intellectual for the audience, but there's a difference between being too intellectual and not being able to keep your attention span for yeah. the whole of a film. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I know. I know what you mean about it being uh, like feeling like it's quite long as well. Yeah. Um, and I just say if you knocked maybe like twenty minutes of it or knocked some of them, like trying to show off like the special effects for the nice landscapes and everything, maybe a bit in a different way, then maybe they could have condensed it all down a bit. Mm. But think about it. Who were the characters? Yeah, quite bland. Because I, yeah. I wrote down, I was like, oh, it's good. Like, it passes, do you know the Bechdel test? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, ba- it's basically a test that looks at female characters and whether or not they can have a conversation with each other that doesn't revolve around a man. Right. And it's in, it's quite shockingly rare, like, in, in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's getting, le- it's getting much better now, but um, it's surprising. And I was like, oh... I, 
passes the Birchdale test, you know. Um, but then again, it was like, why do they have to be army women to yeah. not be talking about men? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was me just putting my feminist hat on for a little bit. <laughs> but you've got them in that what's like stereotypically male role. Yeah. And then that's the only way that you can't. <laughs> that's the only way to not talk about men. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. no, you're right. Um, the the characters were kind of obviously like kind of Spice Girls. Each had a personality, yeah, yeah. and yet they were still quite unmemorable. Yeah. I I can't think of any character's name. No. Just Kira Knightley. Yeah. Wasn't the. I, what even was she called? It began with an L, didn't it? No, that's what I mean. I can't think of any yeah, character. I can't okay. think of their names, actually. <laughs> yeah. I can't really remember what the rest of them did. Like, for why they were in there. Was it just because they were ex-army or the current army? I don't know. Oh, God, the silence speaks volumes there. <laughs> and I love it, doesn't it? We keep selling this like this. We're going to we're gonna have to beat Netflix sponsorship <laughs> off with a stick. Okay. <laughs> Shall we move on to 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Dave. Do you mind if I ask you a personal question? No, not at all. I've wondered whether you might be having some second thoughts about the mission. I never gave these stories much credence, but particularly in view of some of the other things that have happened, I find them difficult to put out of my mind. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. I think we said just before about like the length of that, mm-hmm. and obviously it is very long that film. Yeah. But I'd I'd like well a lot of it where it feels like it's dragging on and there's nothing much going on. I think it sort of Kubrick like did that on purpose to sort of make you feel the sort of isolation of being mm-hmm. in space. Yeah. Um, as well, although um, fun fact, mm-hmm. uh, there's about 88 minutes worth of non-dialogue yep. scenes in that film. Yeah. Now, I did look up that that is a whole Wicker Man or a whole airplane uh, is 88 that minutes That is long. a fun fact. <laughs> um, I, I quite like as well that like a Kubrick film is quite stylized. Maybe mm. like Full Metal Jacket to a point as an exception. But if you look at something like 2001 and you see the like the furniture in the departure lounge... And you go, that could just be in the Corova milk bar or in the you know the house mm. in the home invasion in the Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels yeah. like it's all yeah. the same universe. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. that sort of thing to it. I thought a lot of things looked incredibly realistic, mm-hmm. even by today's standards. There was loads of things that were pioneered in that. It wasn't even in like, the Dawn of Man bit. The, that was the first time anyone had done like rear screen uh, rear screen project, projection. Okay. Where you put a you put like, essentially a blanket up behind the foreground and then project a background onto the back of that. So you can walk so in front gives, of it without so the shadows getting. Yeah. Mm. yeah, like things like the the pen floating when you one of the oh, first yeah. space scenes, and the pen was actually stuck to a sheet of glass. And like apparently, if you look, I don't know, you look closer, if you just know that it's there, when the woman gets to grab the pen, you can actually see her pull it off. The glass. Oh. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if those things just haven't dated because basically between that and Blade Runner, that's our vision of the future. Maybe. Like really, as I say, the transport through to like how Star Wars looks. Mm-hmm. That's. 2001 that's his idea of space and like star trek and things you either get this really clean bright design for something in space or you get like the blade runner one which is like yeah neon hell yeah Yeah. it's an inner city with more neon lights and so whether it's it maybe has 
aged quite badly, but that's just our view of the future and every film since then, basically. Like, that's why, like, for me, like, Kubrick and probably Hitchcock are, like, proper geniuses when it comes to film. It is just the amount of effort, isn't it, that that everything, every single thing is covered and thought yeah. of. That's why, that's why you only get a few geniuses, isn't it? Because like, like, it's very easy for somebody to be really, really, really good at something, <laughs> but it takes that almost psychopathic... Yeah. Attention to detail. To yeah. take the next step. Yeah. To, to, to essentially why, why most geniuses end up like being rubbish people at everything else <laughs> in their lives. Yeah. How did you find it? I didn't like it. Well, no, thing. I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I appreciated yeah. it. But, uh, well, like I said before, because I'm ill, I felt like my soul was coming out of my body. <laughs> yeah. And it is, like, it is quite a hard going film as well. You know, if you've got like, if you've got like a cold and like you're already like bunged up and things. Like I, I was saying to you before that you know, even just watching the scenes where they're out of the spaceship and you all you're listening to is the breathing. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty hard going. And it just goes on for that little bit too long mm. to make it uncomfortable. And I know that was the point in it, mm. um, but from a viewer's perspective, it doesn't really yeah. help much, does it? I thought it was written for the director rather than being written for an audience. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but for the, for what it was achieving at its time, I, I was like, yeah, fair play, you yeah. know, you would, wouldn't you? Um, I did read that it gained financial ex- success from people going and watching it on drugs. Right, Because okay. yeah, a lot of people didn't like it, and then yeah. people started taking drugs and going to watch it. And mm-hmm. See, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't half of the idea of well making it. You know, at Especially time. at the time, yeah. yeah. The thing is, I again, I liked, I really liked the plot and mm-hmm. the darkness behind it. Yeah. yeah. It was just the pacing. I like the claustrophobia of it. And like the yeah. like you said before about the isolation, I think the only other sci-fi film which I, where I can think makes you feel that alone is like the external shots of the Nostromo and Alien. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's that really same yeah. sort of expansive feeling. Yeah, space does scare me. I don't. Maybe that's mm-hmm. something that that why I've never been. I've to always space. been. Dra- <laughs> that's why I've never <laughs> been to space, guys. <laughs> no, I've always been drawn to like fantasy. Okay, yeah, but yeah. not sci-fi, and uh-huh. I think it's because space has always kind of freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that, and like, yeah, that sort of loneliness and the fact that it's quiet and there's no walls as such because you can't actually see an end to it and things. But that's why I liked, um, you say, the same sort of isolation thing with Moon as well. Have you Moon ever seen was that? very yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that like really loneliness mm. uh, kind of thing. But that's where um, I suppose a little bit ironically, given the length of 2001, because it was based on a short story. <laughs> Oh, was it? Yeah, it was based like an Arthur C. Clarke yeah. um, book. And there was, I think it was him who actually like advised on different things within the film. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was they were going to make Hal an actual robot. And he said, no, make it just this red light because Arthur C. Clarke apparently, not good scene in the future, obviously that's ridiculous, <laughs> um, but said when you get like artificial intelligence in the future, it's not going to be something that is going to be like a cute robot that you can see. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be this sentient being. So they represented hell by this red light. It's amazing foresight. It it's is. ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. In one scene, I swear it looks like they have an iPad as well. So yes, yeah. it does, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 they did pretty well at yeah. guessing. Is it your favourite sci-fi film? No, it's it's not my favourite sci-fi film. I think just because I like Kubrick a lot. Yeah. If it wasn't Kubrick, I probably wouldn't like the film. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I get that. Did you read the insurance fact about two thousand and one? He Maybe. was so um, paranoid about was discovering oh, yes. aliens yeah he tried to ensure show the film against it <laughs> what did you think of the end it's good i mean it's very pretentious and big mm. well it's the ultimate life circle isn't it 
that you've done. I have no idea. I'll be perfectly it's, honest. It's, <laughs> like, I was so confused the first time I watched 2001 at the end. I, is it just basically... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, basic, it's basically just the dawn of time and then... And then you go through like human advancement, and then it's the like the next. And then he becomes the a god, film. doesn't he? In the end, it's kind of like I, I an always angel read him, type him thing. becoming part of a global, like sorry, universal consciousness type thing. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. What? Right. It's like the next stage in evolution. Is yeah. that we're going to be? Yeah. What's it called? A monolith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the crack with that? What's the crack with that? <laughs> and I feel like that's the most basic question because I know it's there from start to finish. But I mean, I was re—I I didn't know what monolith, monolith was, so I looked it up, and it says something that's like unchanging, basically. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, maybe that's what the film symbolizes because <laughs> it's slow and unchanging. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if that's what it was all about. Yeah. He put all this thing, and he goes, "Oh, really? I've just made you watch nearly three hours of nothing." But yeah, I was trying to figure it out, and I do think, and it's good because it does make you think, and it's and it's obviously clever mm-hmm. and very deep, which I enjoy. But I still couldn't really figure it out. I always wish that in situations like this, this is why I hate multiple endings of video games and stuff, because I always think, well, that's great, but I'd like to know what the original idea behind this was. So I always think with in these mm-hmm. things, which are a bit nebulous, where you can make your own idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wish the director or writer would just say well, well this is what i think it is and have it sealed somewhere you know or, right. some, or somewhere completely different so if you want to go and find out what his vision was yeah. you can go and do you it can go totally and agree. that's the truth yeah totally agree I, I think the monolith in the context of the film is the idea of god right you know it's and that's mm-hmm. either that's what god is it would be the monolith or something that's been put there to propel the monkeys into a another place so it represents a higher power yeah 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 that works Mm -hmm. i'll go with that or just like big bit of ikea furniture (laughs) it does look a bit like yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's a leftover bit just picturing it now on set being an accident and then kubrick just being like no leave it (laughs) (laughs) it's unchanging (laughs) who left that board up there paint it black